Oh, by the way, my name's Steph. If you're a guest, I'm one of the pastors here. And um, yeah, it's an absolute joy to, to, to help to serve this church. Okay, Luke chapter 14. Please turn there. In your Bible, we are working through, um, we're working through a series on the parables of Jesus, stories that Jesus told to make a spiritual point. Everyday stories to make a spiritual point. Um, now, um, what you tend to find... Not so much in the UK, but maybe like in the US, in America, is, is the sort of Christian bumper sticker thing. The, the sort of, you know, the, the bumper sticker thing with like a sort of a Christian message on. You, you, sometimes, you sometimes had them in the UK a few years ago. You don't really see them anymore. I think probably we're a bit more fridge magnet, aren't we, culturally? We're, the UK is a bit, a, bit a bit less bumper sticker, a bit more fridge magnet. And, um, but... The thing is, is that there'll always be fairly predictable scriptures on those fridge magnets. It'll, it will either, it'll, be, it'll be John 10 verse 10. I have come that they may have life in all its fullness. That, that will be on there. Um, it's a wonderful verse, a wonderful scripture. Uh, John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever trusts him will not perish, but have everlasting life. These are like fridge magnet or Christian calendar um, scriptures. They're perfect. You flick it over and you go, wow, it's just what I needed to hear. Today's scripture, you will not find on many fridge magnets or, or, or calendars. Okay, um, You'll see why in just a moment. We're going to read together um, Luke chapter 14, uh, verses 25 to 35. Um, here we go. Now, great crowds accompanied Jesus and he turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife, and children, you see what I'm saying now, okay, <laughs> and brothers, and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, here's the parable, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, All who see it will begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build, was not able to finish. Or, parable number two, What king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce All that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is of no use either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Lord, we really want to honour your word today. We don't want to add to it. We don't want to take from it. We don't want to tone it down, we don't want to dilute it, we don't want to fiddle around with it, we don't want to make it uh, more appealing to the natural senses or less appealing. Help us to, help me to unpack this faithfully and Holy Spirit help those who hear, hear what you are saying. Deep, deep in the heart we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay. Um, what you tend to find in the Gospels is there's something of a rhythm that goes on. You see, there's a, par- there's a, there's a context to this parable. Jesus told a parable just before it about a, 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 um, 
a man who threw a banquet and he sent out, he, he invited numbers of people that he wanted at his banquet. He sent out his servant to go and give out the invitations and, and everyone, was, everyone had other things to do. Everyone was busy. Someone, someone bought a field, someone bought an ox, someone else had just got married. There was, there was stuff going on. They couldn't make it to the banquet. So the master says, okay, fine. In that case, just go and, just go and find all those who need, need some food. Just go and find the, the poor, the, the, the lame, the blind, the crippled, those with no support, those with no income. Get them in. So the servant went and did that. He said, there's still space. He said, fine, just go to the highways and go to the byways. Just get, every, get whoever. Because those who were invited will not come. And so, it's an, it's a, and so there's this sense in which Jesus is telling this story, which, and the point he's getting at is, is that those for whom he primarily came in this season of his ministry, Jesus was in public ministry for three years only. He lived a, a very, uh, well, we don't have a big, um, we don't have hardly any records of his life before he um, came into public ministry, a bit around his birth, a short snippet, age 12. And then from 30 to 33, approximately, he was in the public eye as a rabbi, as a teacher, as a miracle worker. And then he went to the cross, died, rose again, um, appeared to his disciples over a period of 40 days, and then ascended to the right hand of the Father where he rules and reigns today and where he will remain until he returns and makes all things new. But during those three years, he said, I primarily came for the lost sheep of Israel. He, he came as Israel's Messiah to call them back and was not entirely, but in many ways, rejected. In many ways, um, he was not received, particularly by the religious establishment, as their Messiah, as their Christ. And so sometimes he tells the stories and he likens the kingdom to a banquet or a wedding or something everyone, people are invited to, but they don't really want to come. So, so, and so the, in the story, the, the net goes really, really wide. And so the net's gone wide in this story, and we're told many, many crowds are around him. And what happens is when the crowds gather, Jesus tightens the net. He says, okay, we've got a crowd here. Let me, just lay, let me just lay down what it means to follow me, what it's going to involve. Because Jesus primarily isn't after crowds, he's after disciples. He's, he's very good at gathering a crowd. Um, he could multiply food, that would gather a crowd. Uh, heal the sick, that gathered crowds. But when the crowds came, he would, he would raise the bar on the teaching. So many crowds gathered after he multiplied bread and fish. And when the thousands gathered, he said, okay, uh, new meal today, you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Uh, and we're told that many, many, many of them scattered at that point. It's just weird, hard teaching. What does it mean? Sounds strange. Scattered, and he was left with the twelve, and said, "Are you are you going to go as well?" And Peter said, "Well, where can we go? We've left everything, and you're the ones with you're the one with the words of eternal life." And so there's this rhythm whereby Jesus would gather crowds, and then he would say, "This is the deal." He wouldn't he wasn't a salesman. He wasn't a sal- He wouldn't just kind of hide the hard bits. He get, this is what it's going to be, so that anyone who gets involved with Jesus should get involved with their eyes open. It's very fair like that, Jesus. You know, you always know where you stand with Jesus. And so we make it our aim to to, to be similar, not to peddle, not to sell the word of God, but to let God's word do what it does and trust the Holy Spirit to work in people's hearts. That's how we would tend to operate here. And so let's look at this this final thing about salt, just that we're going to start at the end. (laughs) He said, salt is good, verse 34, but if salt's lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's of no use, either for the soil or for the manure pole. It's thrown away. And you see, salt is about seasoning, salt is about flavouring in this passage here. And Jesus is saying, my disciples are going to have a certain flavour. Those who follow me, they will have a certain flavour to them, which we're going to look at in the following sermon. But he's saying, if, if you lose that, then what have you become? 
you've essentially become kind of useless. You're not going to have an impact wherever you go. Because you've got no distinct flavor and there's no seasoning. You've lost it. You've, somehow you've gone through something in your heart and in your mind where that which made you distinct, it's no longer you haven't got it anymore. And so you might blend in just fine and you might feel like you're part of things just fine. But there's no, there's no season. You're not bringing any seasoning to, the, to your life, to those around you. It's not happening. And this can happen. Jesus knows it can happen. And so he speaks into it. And so Jesus makes three very bold statements in this teaching. And um, the first one is, hate your loved ones. The second one is, die daily. And the third one is, give up all your possessions. Okay? And then, here's the other thing he says. He says, and by the way, it's not up for negotiation. Some of you may be really good negotiators. Some of you may do it for a job. You go, okay, well, they're starting there. And I'm here. We'll probably end up around about there. So what you do, you, you give a little, and then they'll give a little. And then I'll give a little, but I'll make, make out it's really hurting me. And then they'll give a little and pull the same sort of expression. And we'll, but we'll end up where we knew we were going to be at the start, which is around about in the middle somewhere. You find it in some of the market stalls. Things are priced up. Why? Because you're supposed to go in and say, oh, no, I'll give you that. And they go, oh, no, surely not. And you have this big dramatic thing where you end up, everyone knows what the real price is from the start. Negotiating. You cannot negotiate with Jesus. He says, this is the deal. All I'm asking you to do is this. Reckon upon it. Go in with your eyes open, reckon upon it, count the cost. If you can't do it, don't follow me. It's not a negotiation. You think, oh, wow, why? Why would he? I thought Jesus, what are those songs all about how loving he is? Since Jesus has changed, since the band have got down, Jesus has changed in front of us. It's, it's a trap. Jesus doesn't negotiate because Jesus is completely wise and knows us to the depths and knows the way to life to the full to the depths. And so he says, this is the deal, guys. And if he were to move in any way from that to an, by a negotiation, he, we would end up somewhere where we end up going, oh, what's this? He says, well, I told you, what it, I told you the deal. What you got? Jesus isn't going to move because Jesus knows the route to life to the full. Jesus actually understands what, 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 will be, what, what will have to happen internally in order for you to be truly free. This is about freedom. This is not about making life hard or just being, you know, I don't know, restricting things. This is about freedom. But the door to freedom is a narrow one. Jesus said, the way is broad and many go through it that leads to destruction. But the way is narrow and few find it that leads to life. You see, Jesus brings us to the most spacious place imaginable, but it's quite a small door to get in. Something has to happen on the inside. Something has to, something has to give. So I'm going to just unpack these bald statements. What does it mean today to hate your loved ones, to die daily, and to give up all your possessions? You up for that? Good. Otherwise, we'd have got the well connect guys to lock the doors. Okay, so number one, hate your loved ones. Does he really mean that? I'm sure it says somewhere in the Bible, like, you know, love your neighbours yourself and, you know, honour your parents. Is it, what, what, what's he saying? Well, it's a, it's a phrase. It's a phrase. Jesus says a similar thing in Matthew, but it, Matthew gives us um, a, a bit of an insight into what he's really getting at. In Matthew chapter 10, 
verse 37 is recorded like this. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. You see, it's not really about hating your loved ones. But sometimes when you, make, when, you, when you put Jesus first in your heart, loved ones sometimes look on and go, do you love me? Sometimes you have to have that conversation, particularly if, particularly if your loved ones are not themselves believers because they haven't really got a framework for understanding your new priorities. But sometimes even when, you're, when your loved ones are believers, they struggle. They think, sometimes this happens. Even, even Paul talking about marriage between believers says sometimes there's tension because you're both working out how to please the Lord and please one another. And you know both are natural things, but Jesus has to come first and it can create tension. He's very honest about what it involves. This thing that we're setting out upon will involve moments where you have to make decisions that alter forever the, the, the landscape of your relationships or they alter forever the fault lines of the relationship. It's a, there's a tectonic plate shift and the fault lines of the relationship change forever. And if you don't face up to that, then what you end up in is a, is a place where Jesus isn't Lord there. He's not Lord in that relationship. And that's not freedom. Because you're essentially enslaved to that person's affections or will for your life when Jesus should have that place in your heart. You see, this is very sobering, but it's very, very honest. Jesus, another point, Jesus is, 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 is healing the sick and he's teaching and there's a huge crowd around him and his, his family is trying to get close to him. And they, it's, a very, it's a very important phase in the ministry of Jesus because I think it's quite at the start and, and the family are like, you're ours. Right, mothers, Jesus' mother, brothers and sisters, they're like, Jesus, you're ours. We've got a stake on you. And, and there's big crowds around him, and the family can't, they can't get close to him, so they send a message. We're here, and we want Jesus now. And, and so when the message comes to Jesus, your mother and your brother and sisters are outside. outside. And Jesus says, who are my mother? Who's my brother? Who's my sisters? What's he going to say? He says, those who do the will of God are my mother, brother and sisters. And you just think, oh, Jesus, ouch. Don't you care? What's, what Jesus is doing, Jesus is saying... There's a dynamic that has to shift in the way we relate. Because you think, you think I'm yours. I'm, I'm the father's. And so we have to navigate this as believers. And if you're here today and you're, you're not a believer, you're not a born again Christian, this is a really useful sermon for you. Because the whole point of it is for you to be able to weigh up what's it going to cost me to follow Christ. This is one area. There will be relationships in your life where, you are, where your primary affection is. Where Jesus is saying, see that place there in your heart? That's mine. So why? Because I'm the one who created you. And so that place, it was created for me. And that will set you free. Otherwise you will be enslaved to something created. So it's very important we understand this if we're going to really walk in and enjoy freedom. There's a, a reordering of relational dynamics. It sometimes involves tension, confusion, and for periods of time, distance. I know that there was, there was certain elements of my family that really were really worried when I became a Christian. They thought I'd got into a cult. I mean, I was a bit extreme. Um, and some of you won't find that hard to believe. But uh, I, I was just, Jesus, I found Jesus. And I was like, Dave, Dave Smith said, oh, you, you find Jesus, and it's an amazing thing. And uh, I was full on, you know. And, um, and I could have done it wiser and better, so I'm not saying... 
you know, it was all their fault by, by any stretch of the, of the imagination. But there was a reordering of family dynamics. And it created some distance for some years until we rediscovered each other, but on new lines. And sometimes that has to happen. If you're not willing to embrace that, then what you can have, you can settle for something where you're always enslaved to that person or those people's will. Jesus teaches obedience is thicker than blood. I'll say that again. Obedience is thicker than blood. That's the Bible teaching. And yet there's no, there's no other book you'll find more than the Bible that teaches you how to love your family and to honour your family. I mean, absolutely, God loves family. Honour your parents. You know, Love your children. Bring them up well. Oh, apps, the Bible is really strong on it, but what it's, the one thing it's stronger on is who's first in your heart. And so when we've talked this through with our children, there have been interesting conversations where they're like, you love Jesus more than me. <laughs> and it's like... Well, yeah, kind of. Uh, but let me explain. <laughs> Let's just talk about this. Because it could, you know, it could, it's so counterintuitive naturally. But actually we say, because of that, we will love you more and better than if you were our first love. If you were our first love, then all of our hope and that is invested in you. And we're idolizing you. That's not setting you free. We're, we're not blessing. No, no, no. But listen, listen, through Christ, we can love you so, so well. And you have to have that conversation a few times, but it's an important one. It's an important one. And again, you just you have to be wise. You say it's not, you know, the more yeah, it's, it is a bit like, but it's just a different kind. It's worship for Jesus. It's a different kind of love. It's it's worship. It's it's that. It's, and I'm, I'm not going to worship you, <laughs> even though you're lovely. <laughs> you're not getting that off me. It's not happening. So there's that. So the, so hate your loved ones. Number two. No one must quote that without any context, man. Number two, die daily. So here Jesus says about picking up your cross. In the same gospel in Luke, he, he unpacks it with a little bit more detail. Luke chapter 9, uh, verse 23. He makes clear what the dynamic of that, what that looks like when he, he uses the word where he says, um, truth is, guys, my eyes have gone and, um, and I'm too embarrassed to wear my glasses in public. I'm just, it's confession time. Yeah. I got them from Tiger for three quid. And uh, family kind of think they're really cute, and I really like them. But whenever I put them on, I just find myself getting really hot. So I'm just, I'm just beginning that guy instead. I'm just going to, I've just got it out there now. It's done. Woo! Freedom. Okay. Shh, no, don't do that. I'm not going to embarrass someone. No, I sh- no. Okay, here we go. Luke 9:23. And he said to all, if anyone will come after me, let him, here we go, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, what this is teaching is, is, is this, is that when you become a believer, you get a brand new heart and dwelt by the Holy Spirit, a heart of flesh like we've been hearing about earlier. And yet, we, so it's a heart that is soft to God. That when, when the word flesh there is used, the heart of flesh, it means it's soft to God and God writes on it by his spirit and new affections grow. It's the glory, the miracle of being born again. Well, that song we sang earlier, there's power in the name of Jesus. You know, my memory of that song is I'd been a Christian, I think, about a week or two, 18 years old. I went to a church, and I've been brought up in church, and so I knew Christian songs. And I stood up, and I'm singing it, and something inside me was just like, there is no other name that's higher than Jesus. And I remember thinking, I was just singing it going, wow, look at you. You're different. It's that miracle of being born again. When you welcome Christ into your heart, the Spirit comes and lives inside you and witnesses Jesus is Lord. There's nothing like it. 
And yet we still carry what the Bible calls the flesh in a negative sense, which is essentially means we've got indwelling sin. The most holy Christian you know carries with them dark desires on the inside. It's not just out there. Things out there can trigger stuff, but it's on the inside. We carry sin. The Bible says, if any of you talking to Christians says you haven't got sin, you're lying. The truth's not in you. Part of the way you know you really are a Christian is that you really are aware of the fact that you've got sin. And if you don't learn how to deal with that sin, you end up, you end up going back into slavery to it when you don't need to because Jesus has set you free. But you've got to learn how to deal with your sin by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what this means about picking up your cross and dying daily. There's, there's the cross, okay? There's the cross, Jesus paid for our sins and paid our debt and defeated our enemy at the cross. It's a once for all moment where Jesus Christ dealt with the sin of the world through his death and through his resurrection. It was proclaimed and declared that yes, he really was the son of God. Okay, So that, that, that's the cross, but then there's my cross. I, I have a cross. Which is why we changed the name, to, changed the words to one of the songs, which is, You bore my cross. We've changed it. You bore the cross. He didn't bear my cross. I bear my cross. Jesus said, You pick up your cross daily. There are things all of us must die to daily if we are going to live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And if we don't deal with them, if we don't kill them, <laughs> okay, we let them, we, dan- we dance with them, we entertain them. We, we, we invite them in, just maybe just in the porch. We just do a cup of tea on the porch. Never stays in the porch. We shut the door, say, no, I'm not doing it. No, daily. Daily, I'm saying no to certain desires in me that are not from God. Daily. That's the Christian life. The Bible says that those who walk by the Spirit do not gratify the desires of the flesh. It doesn't say they don't have them. You don't gratify. You don't give way to them. You don't give in to them. So, so there is a daily decision where I'm saying no to stuff and yes to Jesus. It's not, it's just saying yes to Jesus is not sufficient. You have to crucify the flesh and by the power of the Spirit and wholeheartedly embrace God's kingdom. That's part of the cost. That's part of the cost. Even during Christmas holidays and half terms and days off, you know, the, devil, the devil's not like a sort of a, you know, sort of a gentleman. Oh, okay, you're on holiday, fine. We'll just kind of... Catch up with you next Tuesday. Doesn't it? It's not like that. It's not like that. It's why the Bible talks a lot about being watchful and vigilant. You see? So there's, so there's that. That's picking up your cross daily. So some of you here, you know, you, I'm sure in this room, there will be people here, you're lying. You're lying your way through life. You're stringing people along. You're, you're, you're being tricky. Okay? You've got to die to that. You've got to kill that by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't... You can't live in the light. Living in the light doesn't mean that you're perfect. Living in the light means you bring it all out of hiding. And you confess it to Jesus and appropriate others. That's living in the light. And when you live in the light, it kind of, it kind of exposes all those nasty things that grow in the dark. And, and you, you begin to learn how to kill them. So if you're lying, you've got, you've got, a, you've got, a, you've got some confessing to do. <laughs> or, or maybe, you're, you're, maybe you're, 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 into, you're into drugs. You're into, you're into just kind of getting off your head. And you think no one knows, or you think, oh, you know, listen, we, got, we want to help. If that's you and you want to follow Jesus, we want to help you kill that. No one's going to judge you, but we are going to walk alongside you and help you kill that. Because you don't want that. Jesus doesn't want that. It's not setting you free. It's slavery. Okay? But bring it out. Don't hide. Don't hide. All of us, all of us who are at this church doing well, i.e., being fruitful, 
are in open and honest conversation and relationships with people about areas of struggle and we're walking alongside together helping each other put those things to death. That's the Christian life. Maybe some of you are working for cash. You're not declaring it. And you've got 101 reasons why and they all sound justified but the plain and simple truth is it's illegal. It's not honouring to God. You're not trusting God with your finances. Okay, so you need to deal with that. And declare things. Do, do it the right way. Learn to trust God with your finances. It's an important journey. Maybe some of you are cruel indoors. You're here and you're all nice, but you're cruel indoors. You're harsh indoors. Maybe you're mean to your kids. Come on, let's get it out. Let's, let's, let's talk about it. Let's confess. Let's, 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 let's help you learn how to put those things to death because you don't want them in your life and Jesus doesn't. And we want the good stuff, right? We want the good stuff. It's so, so important that we're real and that we're honest. You don't live double lives. Maybe some of you are in cyber fantasy world and you're thinking, I'm totally enslaved here. Let's help you. Jesus wants to help you and give you power. Only death will do. The death and resurrection of Jesus are a one-off thing that was done for us that we walk into the good of freely. Okay? So we can, we can work this stuff through with God. You know, how can we work this stuff through with God? How can I be in God's presence when I'm a rotten sinner? Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Okay? He's made a way so we can come in as we are. You haven't got to sort yourself out first. Come in as a mess. Okay? But just with an open heart to the Lord. Okay? And he will, t- he will take you on because Jesus has done it. But the death and resurrection of Jesus are also a model for the way we live daily. We die to stuff that we might walk in newness of life. It's also a pattern for us. And then finally... Giving up all your possessions, an easy one. Um, <laughs> giving up all your possessions. Seriously? Yes. Yes. Seriously. Seriously. Now, what might that look like? Well, let me give you a little example here from the same gospel. It's a beautiful picture. Luke chapter 8, first five verses says this. I mean, if you could hold my Bible and I could step back a few meters. Joke. Uh, so, soon afterwards... Soon afterwards, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. Listen to this. The twelve were with him. Also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who who provided for them out of their means. So you've got a a band, a merry band, traveling um, traveling down Palestine. And they're a merry band. And some have given up everything. These fishermen, through them, they've given up everything, literally, to, to follow Jesus. Uh, and Jesus has nothing. When Jesus dies on the cross, the only thing they can throw lot, cast lots for is his clothes, because that's all he had. Okay? They've, literally, that is the calling on some believers. That is the calling on some believers. It's not just for them or funny folks. That's the calling on some believers. But part of their band are those who are wealthy but are committed to the purposes of the kingdom of God and who provide. In both cases, these people have given up their possessions. Some still have a lot of resources, others don't. Those who do are providing for the purposes of God. And so what you'll find in any healthy church or movement are, 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 are people with less and people with more. That's not really the issue. The issue is what are you doing with what you've got? Are you living in a posture of renunciation? Or are you clinging to things, hoarding stuff to yourself? Now, of course, you, you, there are practical things we all need to attend to. You know, you might think, right, okay, I'm going to give my money away this month. Fine, no problem. If God sends you to do that, do that, okay? But that's not what Jesus is necessarily teaching every Christian to do. 
But what he's saying is this. There's a posture of heart where you go, none of it's mine. It all belongs to him. I'm stewarding it for him in this age. And I want to invest into eternity with what I've got. That's so much more radical than just, in quotes, tithing. Or giving an offering. It's something very different. And so much wonderful generosity goes on in this church, behind the scenes and all of that. And we've got our more public special offerings next week. It's all part of this sense where we're going, do you know what? We don't want to be foolish. We don't want to invest our heart in stuff that's going to rust, spoil and fade. It's okay to have stuff to enjoy. The Bible says God gives us all things for our enjoyment. Holidays are fine. Stuff is fine. But what is the state of your heart? Is there a disposition towards sacrificial generosity and kind of trusting God? That's, that is essential if you're going to be a disciple, is what Jesus is saying here. Okay, so essentially, I just want to spend, a f- that was the bulk of it. These parables, they have two things in common. Different parables, one about a king is going to war, one about a guy who wants to build a tower. But here's the deal. Both of them, the word you will find in the parable is that both of them first... First, sit down and weigh it all up. If you're here and you're not, you've not yet come to Jesus, I want to say to you first, weigh this up. Jesus offers you forgiveness of sins as a free gift. He offers you reconciliation with God and a genuine relationship with God where the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You know him, he knows you, you hear his voice. He offers you a brand new future, he offers you cleansing from your past, he offers you new identity, he offers you, he offers you I mean, it is, so, it, is, it is beyond your wildest dreams. It's life to the full, it's an adventure, it's a white knuckle ride at times, okay? But you know him and he's got you and he'll never let you go. And the reason why the joy in the room you see here today is people living in and, and experiencing that. It's real, okay? What's it going to cost you? Well, on the one hand, nothing. He's bought it for you. The grace is free. But it's not cheap. It's free grace. It's not cheap grace. It's free grace. So it costs you everything. And if your heart is so full of stuff that you won't be able to receive his kingdom in your heart, then it's gonna, it's gonna, you're going to be shut out, aren't you? Because your heart is too full of other things. And so it's, it's about really, are you willing to give him primary place in your heart? Because the reality is this, folks. Once our heart has been grabbed by something, everything else flows. Out of the heart flow the springs of life. So that's for those of you that are considering this, and I want to urge you, weigh it up, and then, and then I do urge you to say yes to Jesus, but with your eyes open. And you will get off to an, a wonderful start. It's not just going to meetings, and it's, it's, it's all in, and it's very, very exciting. But what about those of us who are sitting there thinking, I prayed a prayer to follow Jesus, age three, sat on my bed, and no one told me this. Yeah? No, hold on a minute. If, I had not, if my mum and dad had said that, you've got, to talk, you've, got to, you've got to hate us. And, you know, when you get on and get a job, forget it, all the money for that. Now it's going straight. You know, you know obviously, it's not, do you understand what I'm saying? You'd have gone, hold on a minute. I want to think about this. The reality is, all of us who have made a commitment to Christ, we make a wholehearted commitment in light of what we know. Jesus honours that commitment, right? And comes and lives in us by his spirit. But then as we learn more and our knowledge increases and we see fresh things, there's, it's then totally appropriate to, 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 to then really diligently, concretely work through the whole thing again with God. And say, Lord, I've come to, I've seem to have come to a bit of a fork <laughs> or a bit of a crossroads or where I didn't realise that my heart was really gripped with this thing and only the circumstances of life moving in this direction have shown me that actually, Lord, I really want this so much I'm a bit scared to trust you with it. 
At that point, what do we do? We either back off, go for the safe option, or we say, Lord, I want to do what I did when I was three sitting in my bed again. Not be born again again, but make a fresh decision. Daily say, Lord, I want to trust you with this. That's the reality of the Christian life. And you know, because the thing is, is no matter how, how much you've, the time you spent weighing it up and you've gone through all the scriptures, there will be things that happen in life where you suddenly go, boom, just the very circumstance will, will, will make you see things that are in your heart that you never knew were in there. You never knew they were in there. And you'll go, oh wow. And at that point, let me tell you, brothers and sisters, there is grace from God. There is grace from God. You can pull on your past with God and say, you've been faithful. And you can throw it into the future and say, I'm going to keep walking. There is grace and power to do that. And when you do that, you always come into fresh seasons of liberty. And you go, wow, it's like I've discovered Jesus again. So there's big decisions that we make at different crossroads and junctions as as things come up and we see things in our heart. And then there's just that daily decision where we just say, freshly, Lord, I want to follow you today. And then we might have to do so again at 10.30 a.m. You know, it's just, just little decisions where we say, Lord, yeah, I still want to just be with you and follow you and love you. Amen? All right. What I wanted to do now um, was just give literally about five minutes to Q&A. Because this isn't the hardest parable in the world to understand. But when it comes to applying it and working it out, I think actually there could be some stuff you think, well, how does that work? How does this work? So I thought, as I'm preparing, I thought it shouldn't be a super long sermon. We got a little bit longer than normal with the new service time. And I thought we should be able to put a little bit of Q&A before we respond. So it's not going to be long. So band, get ready. But are there any questions anyone wants to ask in terms of applying this sermon? Yes. Yes. It's a really good. So there's a scenario where there's someone you know that's made a commitment to Christ, and then something's come up, and whether it's family or whatever, and it's kind of, I guess, in, in, in a sense, sort of stolen their heart back. You know, what do you do in that situation? You, you just need wisdom from God, don't you? Because I think sometimes the Bible says, "Be imitators of God." What does God do? Sometimes God gives us gives gives us quite a lot of space and room to travel down a certain road, so that we get there and we go, oh, "That's a really bad call." <laughs> yeah. And you go back and say, Lord, that's really bad. And the Lord's like, yeah, at least now you really know it. Do you know what I mean? So sometimes you've just got to be really, you know, you just think, do you know what, I'm going to keep praying. But I'm not going to try and cajole someone into doing something that they're not convinced of. We don't do that. We appeal to people's consciences. The way we, the way we help one another is we look to see faith spark in each other's hearts. We don't just try and get the right behavior from one another. That's control. That's not how it works in the kingdom. And so I think you can appeal, you can exalt Gently, you know, you can see your heart, your thinker see your heart. But I think, like you say, you're doing the right thing. You can't, with there's certain lines, we just don't cross over with people. People have their own free will. If God honors it, we certainly should. Uh, and, and we just got to keep praying and make sure they know we're there. When, when, if, people ever, if people follow a road that's away from Christ being number one, there will come a point where they go, ah. If they're truly born again, there'll come a point where they go, what have I done? They need to know where you are at that point. They need to know, you're, you know you've been praying for them, your arms are open, and you're demonstrating the heart of God as they turn, as they repent and come back, that God comes running towards them. Best I can do. Yeah. 
How do you work the balance between loving your family and honouring your parents? Yeah, so this statement here in terms of, yeah, so honouring your parents and then let's say loving your parents, or honouring your parents and then loving Jesus more than your parents. How do you walk that? You know, every scenario is different. It's really hard to, to give like a blanket kind of answer to that sort of thing because the dynamics in every relationship are different. Sometimes you have to just really hold your ground on something and you know once we win this battle, then, then it's going to be a, a lot it's kind of created a new trajectory and everyone gets it and it's going to flow a lot more. Um, so sometimes, so even little, funny little things like, you know, I don't know, little example, there's, there's plenty of different things, but one example um, that is, I think, quite common and um, this, is a, this, is a, this is about a marriage, but you don't have to be married to, to get this, or, or, but, but it's, it comes up a lot in marriage. It's very often when people get married, where are we going to spend our first Christmas? Right? Yeah. Because well, we go, because you, you hear married couples do it. Say, well, we go, went there this year, so we've got to go there next year. You think you don't want to be in? You do no, no. <gasps> you do not want that to be your marriage. You don't want it to be your life. We've got to do that, and it's a life by some weird rules of obligation. It's, you, know, it's, you know those sort of families. All okay. I'll put some orange juice for you. Some for you. Oh, there's a bit more in your glass. Oh, 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 oh we've gone over on that one now. Say, what are you doing? It's crazy. Do you know what I mean? It's crazy, it's weird, strange things. No, spend the first Christmas by yourselves. Settle it. Set up a new household here. We're doing Christmas Day here. And then, because lovingly, gently, but you're just saying we're not under your control. And I think this issue of parents is normally about control. That you lovingly, affectionately, gently resist control. (laughs) It's a big one, control. If you're under it, you, you know it. You think, There's no life here. There's no life in this. This is. I'm feeling suffocated. I'm feeling. That's not the Holy Spirit is not operating that way. So you know, if it, regardless of your whether you're single, married, or divorced, widowed, if 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 your parents are trying to control you in an unhealthy way, then you really need to find grace from God to navigate your way out of that in a way that's culturally appropriate because culture is very different. But the kingdom culture. Um, doesn't allow for dark stuff, no matter what culture you're from. It's a big one. One more question, then we're going to respond together. Bread and wine. Yeah. How do you hold something well in your heart? Like in terms of, say a few more things, then we'll make sure I'll answer you properly. Yeah. Yes. Ah, brilliant. How do you hold other things other than Jesus well in your heart? I would say enjoy them. Enjoy them to the glory of God, right? So if you're doing something fun or there's just a nice thing in your life, then don't sort of, you know, do that thing where, oh, you know, I don't know, kind of like, if people get into their head somehow that God doesn't want to enjoy stuff or God doesn't want them to enjoy his creations, crazy, he really, really does. So I think it's just about saying, it's about saying, Jesus, I want to, I want to do all that I do to your glory. That doesn't necessarily mean that halfway through you've got to stop and sing a hymn. You can if you want, that's fine. It's, not, it's fine if you want to. But you don't have to. Or better sing a hymn. Then I really know I'm loving Jesus in it. Do you know what I mean? Just include him in it. Do it to him. Whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. Because I think if you just learn that, that, life, that, that sort of way of life and that state of heart where you're grateful for the good things, they're not an end in themselves. Lord, this is from you. Wow, thank you. Thank you for this day of rest. Thank you for this amazing food. Thank you for this 
wow, this scenery, thank you for this holiday, thank you for this um, new shirt, thank you, you know, whatever. That, you just include in a minute, and I think, it, I think in, in that sense, you, 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 stop, you don't have that weird life where you sort of compartmentalize the Jesus, you know, and then unspiritual stuff. No, 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 no. All to the glory of God. Yeah? Amen. Should we respond to the Lord? Okay, great.